Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Here we are again in our uh, never, never ending quest for truth and connecting truth with Jesus and his lordship over our lives. We hope you find this really, really helpful. Uh, we, we've got a lot of exciting things happening here at Living Stones, which I'm excited about. I was just making my way through the parking lot and I'm looking out there at this bright yellow equipment moving back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> Uh, moving lots of dirt around here at Living Stones. We're excited that the uh, parking lot is moving ahead. We've had some beautiful fall weather here. Um, unseasonably warm weather uh, and uh, getting a lot done out there. So it's exciting. Yeah, my son was educating me the difference between a bulldozer and an excavator. I'm like, oh, that's a bulldozer. He's like, no, that's an excavator. Wait a minute. I have him ex- elevate my thinking here. I don't know. <laughs> You don't know. <laughs> the digger is the excavator. Oh, okay. 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 The bulldozer plows, I guess. I don't know. Well, there's lots of dirt, dirt moving, and things are progressing, and uh, and and I love I love all that. I love to see that happen. So good yeah. times are happening. Our field is being transformed right yes. before our eyes. Although I do like the grass and the green. It's now going to become a giant parking lot. I was joking around and yeah. me looking out my kitchen window, uh, waving at people as they're parking for church on Sunday. But that's good. Uh, we're redeeming that field. For like for kingdom purposes, yeah. and it's all good. Yeah, my question was, uh, where's uh, color wars going to be 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 going on? I think there's still feel at the very end that they will have to do some asphalt uh, yeah. competitions. <laughs> I, I saw Pastor Aaron on the first day when they were they were doing all the work. He he and uh, Lauren driving all the way around. Like, <laughs> I bet they were trying to scope out how much how much lands left for color wars. Yeah, I bet that's what he's thinking. Well, hey, you know that's the uh, the nature of life, right? You go through different seasons and. Uh, uh, you got to make adjustments, and it's all good. It's all translating into uh, um, more facilities to reach more people, love more people, disciple more people, and that's uh, that's really what it's all about. So yeah. praise the Lord. But hey, I wanted to bring us up to speed. If you've been watching this podcast, you know we've been mm-hmm. in kind of in a series where we're talking about counterfeit forms of redemption. Of course, biblically speaking, uh, that's that's the reason why Jesus came. Right, was to redeem a people for Himself. And the biblical account of a Christian worldview begins with creation. God created the universe perfectly, created planet Earth for us to live on. Uh, then comes sin and the fall. That introduces a whole host of problems that we've, we see to this day. Uh, and then comes the, the $100,000 question, how do we fix all these problems? In other words, inside each of us as human beings, there is a deep longing First of all, a realization that something's not right. Mm. And then there's a deep longing for wholeness and for healing. The problem is we're dealing with things like guilt and shame because of our own sin. And, you know, people people have an inherent awareness that something's not right. We have, an, we have a built-in awareness that uh, we are guilty, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, and so there's this longing to be right with God and to be right with other people. Of course, the biblical worldview gives us a clear uh, answer that Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross is the means by which we are brought in right standing with the Lord and with each other. But when you reject God, you come up with a whole other scenario, and that's what we talked about last week. Talk about the escalator fallacy and what human beings, uh, I guess, do to replace a biblical worldview when they reject God. Yeah, it's interesting because... Rarely in reality is it like the movies when the bad guy is obvious and then the good guy is obvious, you know, right. good versus evil. In, in, re, in reality, our biggest challenges is not, 
it's really deceptions. It's things that come and blur the, the lines between good and evil. Right. So often in, in the middle of evil, there are many kernels of truth. That sounds very yeah. good. And that's why the counterfeit ideas of redemptions are so deadly and so deceptive. Because it's all, I guess the, the, the kernel is, it's good to help people. It's good to want to find solutions. Yeah. It's good to want to fix problems. But the problem comes in how you fix those problems. Yeah, the, the good is, yeah, there's a longing for us to be redeemed, to be saved. Yeah, absolutely. God God put that in our hearts. You know, yeah. we talk about the escalator myth. What was a longing for us to grow, to change, to progress, to right. become better. That's all natural longing. Those are all good longings. Right. But, but the, the ultimate for the Escalade myth is a man-centered, uh, technology-driven, humanism-driven, right. works-driven effort so that we can, be, we can reach a place of utopia in which mankind have a collective consciousness of we evolve to this place of peace and joy and, and, and bliss. Right. And, and it really begins, that whole, that whole fallacy begins with a bad idea. And, you know, part of what we're trying to do in this podcast is show you that ideas have consequences. Mm -hmm. If you start with a bad idea, you know, I've heard it said like, you know, if you start uh, making a cake and your recipe is wrong, you put the wrong ingredients in the recipe, you're going to get a bad tasting cake. You know, it's the same way with worldviews. If you have seeds of thought that are wrong, you're going to end up with a worldview that does not really fit reality. And, and the, the big fault of this humanistic worldview is that human beings are good. And if human beings are good, then the problem doesn't lie in you or in me, right? The right. problem is out there. And right. so we're living in a world that's looking for scapegoats. It's looking for people to blame. In fact, America today has become a, a society of victims. If I'm good and you're good, then the problems have to be out there. The problems exist in society. Maybe it's the capitalists. Maybe it's the, you know, uh, the Christians, uh, whatever. You got to find somebody to blame for the problems that we have. And so you start off with the belief that human nature is good. Then you uh, look for scapegoats. You have to find somebody that's an oppressor, right? That, that's the key word today, uh, an oppressor. Uh, and then the state has to step in and the state becomes the uh, secular savior, the state's the one that determines the rules. The state's the one that has the power to enforce those rules. The state's trying to create an even playing field. The state determines what the, the narrator says and what, what rules we abide by. Uh, the state becomes the savior. And then, of course, the, the lie is that the state uh, can create a perfect society mm -hmm. where everybody lives happily ever after. And unfortunately, history does not prove that to be the case. In fact, when the state usurps the place of God, it always results in tyranny and despair and misery for, for the masses. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen that over and over and over again. Yeah, because what, what is the center? What is the, um, the actual thing that needs redemption? You know, in the biblical right. review, what needs redemption is the human heart. Right. Now, we're not like every human being is terrible, evil, but there's evil inside of our hearts. Right. And, and the gospel tells us that we need, we all were made with original sin and yeah. we need redemption of Jesus Christ yeah. to give us a new heart. The Bible talks about that. In fact, the doctrine of total depravity doesn't mean we're, as you said, we're as bad as we could possibly be. It just means the entirety of who we are has mm -hmm. been fallen our hearts are yeah, wicked are our minds are twisted yeah. our will is enslaved our emotions are jacked up uh in other words the entire the entirety of what it means to be human has been touched by the fall right and and christ came to redeem our hearts so it starts 
the, the gospel redemption starts with our heart. The secular redemption starts with culture and society and, and, and the proletariats or, or the bourgeoisies or whatever, yeah. the, the, the capitalists or whatever, some type of cultural reformation that needs to happen it's to people out there. Out there. It's a structural Environmental, problem. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's where, you know, when you look at the biblical um, uh, parameters around a state, the state exists for one clear biblical reason, and that is to promote justice. Uh, justice and righteousness uh, from a biblical standpoint are synonymous. In other words, you cannot have justice without right living and right living is determined by God. In other words, the state's job is to enforce God's righteous commandments and when the state becomes God, then the state makes up its own rules. Now we have a process here in America we like to call it democracy, but the point is it's man-made, man-centered, man-determined rules about what's right and wrong. And we've seen the problem with this, you know, uh, years ago, uh, for instance, in the uh, uh, the DSM-3, a psychological manual, certain behaviors were considered mental, mental illness. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, those things are considered protected civil rights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how do you go from a mental illness to a protected civil right? That is the problem with man-centered laws is they are constantly shifting like sand. The problem is if you stand in opposition to any of those laws, then the state becomes, uh, you know, the one who punishes you. You become a victim now. You're the, you're the one who is simply being persecuted for righteousness. Yeah, if you don't keep up with the trend. If you don't keep up with the winds of change, absolutely. <laughs> but, and somehow you're not you're not uh, on the right side of history. That's another yeah, you're problem. Not involved, all that all that jazz. So yeah, yeah. So so here's the deal. We said you know when human beings try to be God. Now we're facing a world that seems out of control. Everything from uh, climate concerns to overpopulation to caring for the poor. I mean, there, there's so many people that are freaking out. In fact, I saw kind of a funny, actually sad uh, uh, thread online. It was this latest um, uh, global warming. If we don't do something now, this it was a, a, a video of what is going to happen to planet Earth. Of course, it's all conjecture. It's all based on it's all based on scientific models that all come from a certain worldview. Mm -hmm. But people were freaking out. They said, "Man, I'm going to do everything possible. I'm going to vote for Democrats. I'm going to, you know, I don't care how much money it costs. I cannot see planet Earth go up and you know in human you know in flames like this and be completely destroyed." Of course. All of this produces a kind of hysteria, and it creates a chaos. Uh, and when chaos happens, people are looking for control. And this is where secular governments use chaos, promote chaos. In fact, even the whole COVID uh, pandemic is is government using a, an illness to promote chaos. We see we see the daily death counts or whatever, you know, or in fact, not even death counts, infection counts, because only one percent of the people are dying. But <coughs> you see these this man-made hysteria that creates chaos, and then when chaos comes in, the government says, "Let us solve your problems." Yep. Uh, and so you have. Uh, uh, insatiable desire for control. And here's the other thing. What government does is government says, all right, we all have to be together. We all have to work together. We all have to stand together. Uh, kind of like the Tower of Babel. Let's all work together and let's build this giant you know, monument to ourselves. And so what they're looking for is everybody to be behaving the same way. That's why we're seeing all kinds of mandates. That's why anybody that wants to buck the system is viewed as, you know, as a problem. And I wanted to read something that we didn't get to last week, uh, talking about utopia and utopian leadership. 
This was from a book called Utopia. Um, it says the utopian leadership always claims that its function is merely to facilitate association among equal citizens. So government's going to be our friend. Government's going to cause us all to work together. We're all pushing equality, uh, including among members of a family or in the religious utopian language, communication between them and God. Now, here's the key part. Under such a claim, the citizen shows his virtuousness to the extent that he abandons the socially divisive attitude of looking out for his own and his family's interests. And with complete a complete loyal candor, he trusts the leadership class to take care of his needs. Conversely, doubt in and resistance to this ability and love show stupidity, obstinacy, and viciousness. Doubters and resistors must be punished since they contradict the associative principle and break unanimity, doubters and resistors must first be excluded from the memberships from the membership of Utopia's citizenry, hence from membership in the human race. This is everywhere right now. We we first of all saw that if you actually cared about religious liberty or civil liberty, constitutional freedoms. Now you're being selfish because you're promoting your personal rights over the, the well-being of society, right? And this is the first time we've been made to feel guilty for simply wanting, believing that we could actually make choices for our family right. and do what's best for our family. Um, so now that selfishness and what we're seeing now, we talked about, first of all, it was um, the, the, the author of uh, um, uh, that famous series, uh, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter, okay. G.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, yeah. She came out and she said, um, no, this whole transgender stuff is basically the death of, of femininity. It's, it's the death of gender. And she's a feminist. Right. And she expressed serious doubt that this was good or healthy. And uh, instantly, the larger culture punished her, right? Aaron Rodgers decided he didn't want to get the vaccine. And now here's the arguably the best quarterback in the game right now who's coming under the cancel culture. And, and he even recognized it. He said, he said, as soon as, you know, I come out and, and share my views, the cancel culture of the left is, is going to just try to destroy me and destroy my career. Why is all that happening? Because when government takes over, you get handed a, a set of rules, and this is the script. And, and for those who break the script, you get canceled from society, from the utopian reality that the state's trying to create. And um, that's a scary place yeah, to be. And, and, and the irony and hypocrisy of all this, because the left champions individualism of all the people in the past who dodge draft and they celebrate oh, yeah. them, people who are who against the tide, they celebrate those people now, the vanguards who liberation for women and African-American, they celebrate all these individualists, but right now in the middle of all of this, they cancel anybody who sticks out in the middle of that. That's right. You know, Conformity. it's always easy to look back in history and say, hey, yeah, those are the really whatever and champion them and, and, and have celebrations and wear their t-shirts but in the middle of all of this we do we have the the wherewithal to look and say hey who are the people who are standing against this this tidal wave of conformity and standing up for individualism and truth and all that stuff just be consistent if you care about individualism then care about it now and something else that kind of really ticks me off about all this is the whole idea of of um 
uh, uh, they're trying to facilitate equals among citizens. It can't happen. No. It doesn't happen. Look at every communist socialistic regime. Do you really truly see equality ever? No. Ever. And, you, and, it, and just, I like it this because the quote mentions that, that there's an elite group. That's that, that is inherently smarter than everybody else. You know, that, that's what the yeah. word elite means. It means you idiots, you common people cannot figure out things for yourself. You cannot make, you know, uh, you cannot make wise decisions. In fact, anybody that questions uh, the modern science, which just kind of brings up another point, you know, every system has to have its basis of authority. Of course, in Christianity, we have the wisdom, the revelation of God, right? Thus saith the Lord. When you get rid of God, uh, science steps in and takes the place of absolute authority. So whatever the experts say, whatever the people in white lab coats say, um, that must be absolute truth. And so now, again, anybody that, that comes out against the concern about the vaccine or concern about the long-term effects, you are instantly ridiculed. First of all, who are you to even express an opinion? Because you're just a, a moron. You don't have the right, you know, you don't have a degree in science. So you, you're not an expert to speak on these things. I've heard the same thing. People argue, well, you're not a constitutional expert, forgetting that the Constitution was written so that normal people could read it and apply it and, and defend their liberties with it. So there's this whole idea of the expert. We've heard the same thing with abortion arguments. If you don't have a uterus, then obviously you don't have an opinion, um, which is ridiculous. Um, but it's the it's, whatever it is, it's the elite group of, right. of experts that are going to that they automatically somehow inherently know what's best for the rest of the people. And, and these are prescriptions again <coughs> for absolute tyranny, bloodshed, uh, the mass, mass starvations, murder, right. uh, and loss of liberty. We've seen this over and over again in totalitarian regimes. I just saw a video yesterday in the congressional hearing about, I think it was about the Maxine Bandit mandate. Uh, they had a professor at the University of Maryland. He is the associate editor for the, I think, the British Journal of Medicine or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, top tier scientist testifying about how uh, prior to, I think, 2020 or 2021 or whatever, the definition of vaccine had a specific definition on, uh, I think, Webster's right. definition. Right. And then since then, it's been changed. Yeah, because words matter. Because so, so they manipulate the definition to now include an mRNA uh, as a vaccine. He's like, it's just a definitional change that someone just changed it. So yeah. if we never change this definition, the mRNA vaccine will simply just be a drug. So you just simply be taking this drug. And again, saying that just to highlight, highlight the fact that science or knowledge or what's official gets manipulated all day long by the powers that be. Right. And I don't think it's equal. I don't, they're trying to induce equality. Well, I don't have that level of, of, of knowledge or equality to be able to change the Webster dictionary or yeah. something. Someone's elite right. has those connections and that's not equality. And, and no, that's not equality. In fact, that's called mm -hmm. propaganda. Uh, when you when you change the meaning of words to fit an agenda, and that's what we're seeing happening. You know, we got scientists that have major problems with the way this whole uh, pandemic has been handled. But anytime they speak out, they're canceled. They're re they're removed from their professorships. They're removed from their places of, of authority. Their their careers are destroyed. Their reputations are destroyed. Same thing with any scientist who bucks evolution. And there's 
There's scores of reasons to have a problem with evolutionary theory, scientific reasons. Um, but those people are blackballed out of their profession. They're, they're not given promotions. They're, they're not given uh, their careers as a, as a professor are, are damaged or destroyed altogether uh, by the elites again. So this is what happened when the state tries to be savior, when the state tries to be messiah. Um, there's always people that suffer and our liberties suffer. And in the end, it's not a, it's not a pretty thing. But this is where we're at right now in America, a scientific socialist state where our freedom is conditioned simply to act in conformity with group standards. So people say, yeah, America is we're, we're free. We're only free to the degree that we conform to whatever the state says we should be doing or what we should be believing. And if we go against that uh, again, then then we're punished. Yeah. If a man is not a sinner, as utopian dreamers claim, he does not need a savior, but he needs an expert, a guru, a lama, essentially an elite class to reorganize all the things and to plan man's liberation uh, from what are, in fact, the results of his own sin. Yeah, so this is where we're at now. Um, we have to have somebody become the savior. And if it's not Jesus, it will be an elite. No, I, I think that's a great example. I mean, if you think about this, like if you have cancer. Okay, and you have you have brain cancer. However, whoever diagnoses you says, "No, you don't have cancer. You have something else, something from your outside," and and they do everything to try to cure you, while not acknowledging that you have brain cancer. Yep. And and just imagine the atrocity that go that you have to go through in your body to try to do everything to try to alleviate the pain, solve the problem, you know, change your friends, change your eating habits, changing all these things while they're just ignorant of the fact that you have cancer inside your own it's body. It's a misdiagnosis. Misdiagnosis that leads to all kinds of problems and issues. Yep. And we see that throughout history is the big misdiagnosis of problem that's caused more, more pain and suffering uh, right. than, than ever. And, and the, probably the greatest <laughs> misdiagnosis uh, in human history uh, when when governments become saviors or pretend saviors, counterfeit saviors, yeah. we have Marxism, socialism, some of these uh, man-centered, tyrannical forms of government that all start off with an elite group wanting to do uh, what only God can do. And I, we want to highlight a little bit of that, yeah. um, you know, because, of course, Karl Marx, uh, here's what I love about world. <coughs> you have to, if your worldview is true, you need to be able to live consistently with your worldview. In fact, there are some people like, here's what, here's what kills me. All of these folks that, that gathered together for this climate change conference, they showed the airport and the number of private jets that were there in the airport. <laughs> now, the whole argument is, if your worldview is true and we're facing a climate disaster, then if you're one of these people that are just being the, the prophets of doom, why in the world would you fly a private jet, which is the most non-economical, right? The most environmental destructive, environmentally destructive right. way to get, like ride a horse, walk, fly uh, at fly, least. Fly economy, like with, everyone else. With, yeah, with the economy, <laughs> fly, fly like, like you said, fly with all of us low lives, right? All of us uh, uh, people that don't have the, the privilege you do. So it, it's, you can't even live out your own worldview. And the fact is, a lot of these, quote, reform, reformers, Karl Marx included, when you look at their lifestyle, they were disasters. When you look at the, their own families, it's a tragedy. And yet we're still talking about the ideas of these people, even though they themselves were monsters. In fact, I got a quote here from Frederick Engels, Karl Marx's best friend. 
This is what Engels said about Karl Marx. He said, Karl Marx is a monster possessed by 10,000 devils. Now, those who knew Marx best could testify that this man was, was a demonized, wicked narcissist, uh, and yet we're still dealing with, with Marxist ideas in America today and in many nations of the world. Yeah. Yeah, Marxism itself, as a political theory, might have kind of like waned a little bit. Actually, it's catchy coming back, but neo-Marxism. Yeah, neo-Marxism. That's what people don't understand. Neo-Marxism is coming in different forms. Right, and, and, and mixtures. You know, we could get into lots of nuances of Marxism and yeah. neo-Marxism. But, but essentially, Marxism, at least neo-Marxism, is very alive and well in America. And, and we just need to highlight it is a secularized version of the kingdom of God. It is an eschatology. It is Karl Marx's view of a perfect classless society where everybody lives happily ever after. It's, a, it's an attempt to create heaven on earth from a godless perspective. Uh, and it's at the heart of many of our movements today. Now, we shared, if you, we're not talking about classical Marxism. It's not so much the economic template uh, between, you know, the working class and the elite, elite group, rich people, right? Um, there's a little bit of that today. But really what we're talking about, cultural Marxism deals with uh, oppressive movements, oppressors and oppress and those who are oppressed. So we got the, the women's movement. We have, uh, of course, racism and, and blacks in America. We have homosexuality. And, and the oppressors in all these situations are white male heterosexuals. And so... Uh, white male heterosexual Christians. Yes. Uh, the, it, those are the bad guys. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're the ones that are causing all the problems. And you hear this kind of analysis on the more liberal you know, news media outlets that, that uh, uh, white people are the, the cause of most of the problems in America today, especially white males. And all of this is really cultural Marxism. Of course, Marxism has a number of things that, that are common. First of all, it's a collectivist idea, right? So it's not about individual rights, it's about the, the group. Secondly, it's about redistrib redistribution because there's inequality. And of course, it's the government's job to fix the inequality. But what many people don't realize is that in this whole idea of the collectivist thing, um, not only is private property viewed as inherently evil, but the nuclear family has to be destroyed. Because it's the nuclear family under a biblical worldview. The nuclear family is the center and the building block uh, of healthy cultures. Not the state. The state's not the, the one that's in charge. It's not the state that creates healthy cultures. It's, it's the family. So when you have a, a, a husband and a wife and children, and that becomes the focal point, the government exists to serve the family, right? Uh, policies exist to create healthy families. Um, Marxism turns all that upside down. In fact, Marxism wants to have the state controlling your kids. This is why even in, you know, we talked about this in the state of Virginia with the school board issue there. Really what was at stake is who's responsible for our kids. Yeah. And you go back historically, a lot of the theorists behind public education uh, to begin with were people who viewed education as a means to create a global child, the new global citizen of the future. And it was really a form of indoctrinating and a form of making sure everybody's singing off the, the, the music sheet provided by the state. So we wonder why are we focusing not on things like science and math and reading and writing? Why are we focusing on teaching our kids about gender fluidity and teaching our kids about 
LGBTQ movements and where did all that come in? Well, that's all part of the state's indoctrination to create a global citizenry of the future where we're all believing the same thing and creating this one world utopia. Um, and it's why we saw a massive pushback from parents because there's still a whole lot of Christian folks out there that are saying, uh, if you think my kids belong to you, public school, you're nuts. Um, my kids belong to me and, and they're gifts from God and they're my responsibility to yeah, teach them. I like to think this is perhaps beyond you know, even just a Christian value. I think any parent after spending, you know, mom, especially after spending nine months carrying this baby, Absolutely. You know, and how about just the delivery of that delivery child? Delivery and the, oh my uh, right now my wife is, you know, a few days from being due and just an investment and emotional to heart connect with your child and put the government to come and say, well, that's our property. I mean, this, that, the Brave New World, that's the book by, uh, I forgot who was by, Brave New World. Yeah. It talks about people being born in labs and all these different things, the, the, the nuclear BF family. Right, I don't know if you read it. I read the synopsis. I didn't read the whole thing. But I mean, yep. that's that's basically the world it describes. No nuclear family unit. Yep. Well, wait, here, here's the thing. So, so parents show up at a school board meeting and they're like, what in the world are you teaching our kids? No, you're not going to teach our kids to hate America. No, you're not going to teach our kids critical race theory, which is Marxist in its underpinnings. No, you're not going to teach our kids uh, uh, all kinds of perverted sexual behavior. Uh, and then you get superintendents uh, or uh, the gentleman running for governor there who lost um, who said i don't really think it's the parents business to be telling educators what they should and shouldn't be teaching like are you kidding me whose business is it then that school boards are elected by local communities and parents yeah exactly um, who are you to tell us that but it's that here it is it's that elitist like we're professionals we're professional educators. We know better than parents about what we should be teaching. It's that elitist, uh, arrogant attitude um, that you know better than us because you are a bigwig. You're, you're, you got more alphabet at the end of your name. Well, where, where, where do they get that elitism? I mean, here's a quote right here. Karl Marx's goal, autonomy. Yes. Karl Marx, by the way, just a little history. Karl yeah. Marx was raised in a Christian family. Karl Marx, even in his early days, expressed faith in the Lord and, and in the scriptures. Uh, but there was a time in his young life when he rejected all of that overtly and began to uh, write poetry. You know, obviously, he, he influenced the world through his writing, so he, God gave him a gift there. But, but his goal was to be autonomous from God. And that's one of the, the quotes we have here. You want to go ahead and read that, Andrew, but because it really expresses <coughs> his hatred um, against God and his desire to be uh, autonomous. He said, Then I will wander godlike and victorious through the ruins of the world, and giving my words active force, I will feel equal to the equator. Now, that sounds kind of familiar to, uh, to, uh, to the cults of uh, Lucifer. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and there's a book that I have called Marx and Satan uh, that would be fascinating for us to talk, talk about sometime. It was written by a, 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 a German Lutheran a pastor uh, who um, experienced the, the Soviet Union and, and Marxist, you know, uh, uh, di dictatorship, full, you know, personal experience. I mean, he went through imprisonment and every other kind of thing. But he actually ties together very clear history between Karl Marx's beliefs and him being an overt Satanist. 
Um, and so you see a lot of this hatred for God. I mean, look at the language again. Um, wander like God-like and victorious through the ruins of the world. Uh, I will feel equally equal to the Creator. Um, I mean, that is Satan's. You know, that's his mo. That's his temptation, Garden of Eden, so you can be like God. So I'll I mean, be, go ahead. I was just saying. Say, I mean, so so again, his ideology is a counterfeit replacement to the true redemption, redemptive plan of the kingdom of God. He himself is walking through that and comes with it, comes a sense of arrogance and pride, lack of humility. I know better. I mean, I just want to ask anyone in general, do you think it's better? Just just from an objective perspective, what's the best way to raise kids through nuclear families with mom and dad, their own kids or the state? Just think about it for a second. The state having the state control or, or raise a bunch of young kids. How's that going to turn out? How's that no. ever turned out well? Mark's completely <laughs> abandoned his his family. Uh, two of his children committed suicide from living under their father's parenting. That's how, that's what a terrible, terrible man that he was. <clears throat> Imagine two of your daughters committing suicide uh, and uh, others that were raised in neglect and poverty. In fact, Mark's own mother after he was sucking uh, resources from his parents for years and years and years because he wouldn't go out and work and get a job. Uh, she su suggested that he worked on developing his own capital <laughs> while he was condemning capitalists, mm -hmm. that uh, it was probably time for him to go get a job and actually work. So this guy was lazy. This guy was irresponsible. This guy was a narcissist. Uh, his own family hated him. And this is a man that's controlling the thought of much of the world today, which is really scary. Um, let me hit on a couple of ideas or elements of Marxist socialist ideology. How we do in time-wise here? Yeah. Um, first of all, the utter destruction of Western civilization. Western civilization should be synonymous in your mind with a Judeo-Christian worldview. So Marxists hate Christians, they hate Christianity, and they hate all of Western civilization. We talked about this collectivism. You got to get everybody singing off the same sheet. We talked about this, coercion. You're going to have some people that resist. People that resist need to be punished. They're punished by the state. And so if you believe, for instance, that um, homosexuality is a sin, uh, you will be punished under civil rights discrimination acts and so forth. You'll be punished by the state now because we replaced biblical truth with state um, propaganda. Uh, we have talked about redistribution. So much of the economic policy, even this, this latest um, uh, stimulus package, so much of that is rooted in redistribution of people's capital and wealth. We have elite centralized planners, namely big government. Uh, everything comes from the top down. Somebody in Washington is going to figure out how to solve problems for you in your local backyard. Um, we talk about the intentional destruction of the nuclear family and marriage. What was behind same-sex marriage? It was to completely make marriage meaningless, to make parenting meaningless, to make mothers and fathers meaningless. Now we have an attack on gender. It's the same goal. It is to, it is to tear down any distinction between male and female and between marriage as an institution. We have children raised by the state. We have ongoing attacks of parental rights and parental authority. Um, we have attacks on Christianity, attacks on traditional morality, even things like the complete legalization of abortion. These were all communist ideas that were implemented by communist dictators uh, so that women 
could be as promiscuous as men uh, with no consequence at all. Uh, and it also ultimately led to the breakdown of sexuality within the confines of marriage, which leads to all kinds of breakdown um, in, in raising kids, which again, as you pointed out, the goal behind all of this is so that the state has to come in and deal with the chaos that's created from the breakdown of the family. Yep. So you have a welfare state that gets bigger and bigger and bigger, um, and government that grows stronger and stronger and stronger, and eventually you have a dictatorship uh, uh, of experts, elite experts, who are running every single aspect of your life. Now, you can have that, or you can have biblical Christianity submitting to God, submitting to God's laws, and experience true freedom, or you can have the state pretending to be a counterfeit savior, and all we've seen throughout human history is that ends in incredible pain and suffering and misery. So one end, they come and sell you um, drugs to get you addicted, to ruin your life. On the other hand, they're ready to come and buy out your loans so you can be slave forever. Yep. I mean, that's that's quite a strategy. <laughs> yep. And most of these socialistic states, they say, give us all of your money and taxes and then we'll create, we'll give you a nice little house you can afford. We'll guarantee you a certain income. We'll have a chicken in every pot and we'll all live happily ever after. The problem is that never works out. And all we do is equalize misery. Everybody's miserable at the same level, except for the elite crew, right? right that they're here to help you. They play by a different but, set yeah. of rules. It's like, uh, was it Animal Farm? Yeah. Exactly. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal <laughs> are than more others. Equal. Yeah. We, we've seen Governor Newsom and some of these elitists, you know, who, who say, one thing and then do another thing. The, the rules apply to you guys, but the rules don't apply to us. And uh, and I don't know about you, I'm sick of that kind of, of stuff. It's nonsense. And I think it's time that we open up our mouths and start saying enough is enough. And I think we're, we're seeing some serious backlash now. What happened in the state of Virginia was serious backlash. And I really believe this, if, if we can put an end to uh, stealing of elections and all the election fraud, I think we're going to see a, a complete reversal because people are sick of government control. They're sick of the mask. We're sick of the mandates. We're sick of government telling us how to run our business. And, and, and we're just sick of it. I hope you're sick of it. I'm sick of it. And I think a lot of Americans but are sick of it. I, th I think in my heart, you know, I, until the kingdom got, until Christ comes again, this will be a perpetual issue that we'll be dealing because the, 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 the issue of humans' desire for redemption will never end. There is always going to be a chasm of vacuum needing redemption. And as long as you have fallen people and you have a Satan who hates humanity, yep. you're going to deal with these kind of the, lies. This is going to be and a battle. And, and so, so again, the solution is the kingdom of God. We need to better represent the kingdom yeah. of God over and over again. It goes back to the gospel. Yeah. We have the, the, the ultimate solution to all this is yes. the gospel. Yes. You know, and because that's the right diagnosis of the right problem, the right issue, and the right way to solve it is the kingdom of God and through for the over, gospel. For over a couple hundred years now, not that America's been the perfect example of this, but we've had many, many good biblical ideas that have been the foundation of America. And we've enjoyed freedom and prosperity that have been unprecedented in human history. Um, that's because uh, ideas have consequences. Yep. And that's what we need to get back to. Not not uh, American exceptionalism that's rooted in, uh, yay, we're great, we're Americans, but it's rooted in a humble dependence upon God and embracing of a biblical worldview and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and our understanding that sin is the problem, the human heart is the problem, and only Jesus can bring redemption. And so that's our hope to you today. It's time to come back to our roots, our biblical roots, 
before it's too late. Um, when the Bible says, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the foundations are not completely destroyed. We have work to do, but we, we can go back and begin repairing. <coughs> Just like Nehemiah, we can go back and repair the burnt stones, uh, and we can take uh, a, a dominion and... We can bring biblical principles to bear and we can see reformation happen. That's, that is the hope of the church in, on planet Earth is that we can bring kingdom reformation through the power of the gospel. So any final comments on this? No final comment, man. I think we have a lot of material. <laughs> a lot of material to cover. Uh, we hope you're enjoying this. We appreciate your feedback. Uh, but let's be bold in declaring our worldview. It's it's superior because it's true and it brings answers. We shouldn't be ashamed about this and we should not be silenced into submission. In fact, now's the time for courage. When people are trying to cancel you, you be as bold as you can be. When people are trying to cause you to, to cave in on your principles, don't cave in on your principles. Stand for truth. Stand for righteousness. This is a time for courage. And, uh, and I encourage you, it's a time to fight. And if we'll fight, we win. Every time the church shows up, we win. So, hey, let's fight. Last thing I want to say is next Tuesday, uh, I will be down in Indianapolis for a rally with a lot of freedom-minded people. Uh, it is 10 o'clock at the State House in Indianapolis. We encourage you to join us for a time of prayer and seeking of the Lord, repentance, uh, and really a declaration uh, of freedom uh, and a standing for the liberties that God has given to us. So I, I will post something on uh, our Facebook page. You can check that out, and I really hope you'll be able to join us. All right? God bless you. Until, until we meet next time, have an amazing week. Uh, and let's, let's keep declaring Jesus Christ as Lord over culture.